Hey, Philo community. Well, that just happened. It's the day after Philo 2019, and I can't even believe it's over. You know, you work so hard for so long for something, and then you do it, and then, yeah, it's done. But man, what an amazing time. I can't even tell you. It was so great to see so many of you and to experience the amazing community together. There were so many people there that I didn't even see. Seen your posts on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm like, oh man, I totally miss seeing that person. Anyway, so if that's you, sorry I missed you, but I hope you had a great time. So great to have so many people come up to me and just thank me for doing this. And really, I mean, God showed up. We did a lot of work, sure, but God gets all the credit. So super privileged to be a part of it, really. And can I just say the Philo team killed it. The core team, the Philo Philo team, the production team, the, the band, Chelsea, Nate, Jody, Joanne, Sarah, Caleb, Dave, Aubrey, and Delwyn. I mean, I can't imagine doing it without you people. I mean, on several levels. I love you and get I love getting to work with you. And I mean, there's just so much to do. I can't imagine doing it without you. Anyway, yeah, love, love the team. Uh, and I just love their heart for the, the, the technical artist community in the local church. So thank you guys. Just uh, an update. We're getting all the video of the main sessions and audio of the breakouts. We're getting them edited and uploaded and we're working that out. And so if you were there, you'll be able to listen to some of the content you missed. And if you weren't there, well, you'll, you'll also get to listen to the content you missed. If you were there, we'll be sending out an email with that information and, you know, there's still time to sign up for Philo 2020 at the lowest rate, $99. Uh, and if you're one of the first hundred to sign up, you get all that content for free. So go to philo.org to register for next year. And if you're one of those hundred people, we'll send you an email, let you know that that stuff will be coming your way. Uh, and I guess you should say the, the $99 rate is good until midnight on May 31st. And that's central time. Anyway, okay. If this is your first time listening to our podcast and you have no idea what I'm talking about, really our goal is to help the technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. And basically the podcast is all about extending the Philo conference all year round. And this is a special Philo podcast because we recorded it live at Philo. This was after Mike Foster's main session on day two of the Philo conference, we got to sit down in front of an audience and we sort of dug a little deeper into the topic of relationships. We're in front of a live audience and the live audience was eating Chick-fil-A during lunch. And so you hear a lot of background noise along the way. And you'll also hear Mike and I wishing we had some tasty chicken sandwiches. Anyway, so without further ado, let's just jump right in. So I thought it would be great for us to kind of take a minute to dig a little deeper into the idea of relationships and having healthy relationships. And I love kind of the idea that a healthy relationship starts with yourself, mm -hmm. uh, which you talked about today. I mean, how did you find that? You know, how did you get to that place of saying, hey, if, if I want this relationship to work, I need to do some work? I think I spent many, many years trying to fix and change everybody else, realizing yeah. <laughs> that I was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think that that's the big mistake that we make, whether it's in our marriage, with our team, mm -hmm. there's this, this idea that I can compel, manipulate, force somebody to change. And the reality is change comes from, it, it's a personal decision. Sure. And, yeah. and we take ownership of our change. And so I, I, I learned the hard way. And whether that was with leading teams or even within my marriage, it's best to not try to fix or get somebody else to do something you want them to do, but really discover 
the why of why do I want them to do that? What's right. going on inside of me? Yeah, I think for me, there were years as a tech person that I wish other people would change or I wish the situation would change. And then I really uh, realized in this situation, I have control over really one thing, which mm-hmm. is how am I going to respond? Mm-hmm. And so if I want something to be better, I need to, I need to be the one to engage it. I need to be the one to make the first step instead of just wishing everybody else would sort of bend to what I need. Yeah, and that's, that's the really, to me, that's the place of freedom. That's the place where, because ownership is, is exciting to me right, to know right. that, okay, I may not be able to fix them, which has been really depressing and frustrating. Yeah. But for me to take radical responsibility for my life, we invite ourselves into a really awesome possibility and an adventure that, that we can go on there. Yeah, I think it's so interesting too that that idea of working on yourself and making yourself healthy that it's so often we coast through life not being aware mm. of how we are or how we're feeling. And so just even the awareness of, oh, wonder, why am I responding this way? Mm-hmm. So helpful to solving the problem. Yeah, and, and we've been actually taught by society, maybe even our parents, that we need to suppress our needs. We need to suppress our emotions, especially, you know, the, the narrative around masculinity. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a feeler. I always tell people, I'm a feeler. I cry. I, you know, I watch Super Bowl commercials and I get weepy and teary eyed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, I'm a feeler. And I, you know, for most of my life, I've been taught like, well, men don't feel, men don't cry. Right, right. And so we've got to we've got to pay more attention to our heart and our unique design and what's going on inside of us if we have any hope of having healthy, intimate, vulnerable relationships with right. others. And I think, too, even uh, being busy and uh, I just think about uh, if you're a tech person at a church and you're the only one there and if you don't show up, it's not going to happen mm-hmm. and you you get into that grind of uh, I can't, I can't take time to show my emotion because we just got to get the work done. Right. Um, that I think it's real. It's it's almost like an excuse to not uh, feel anything, and then as a result, you become numb to what's happening, why you're doing it at a church, why you you're involved in the first place. Yeah. Well, I think Eugene Peterson said it best. He goes, "Busyness is the enemy of spirituality." Right. And I think busyness is the enemy of tapping health in in our own lives sure and so we got to slow down we got to reflect we've got to pay attention to those things that are rumbling inside for yeah. sure now i think the one thing that's interesting to me is like um i had this feeling a few years ago where okay i can work really hard and change myself and and really change the posture of my team and how we respond to things but at the end of the day then it's still there's somebody else involved in the relationship and mm-hmm what do I do if I've done all this work and it's still not working? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, any, yeah. well, any I, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, you know, there, when you're a healthy person, when you have done your own work, it allows you to courageously and bravely enter those conversations where there's some feedback that is needed or some counsel or coaching. Uh-huh. I, I think so often what we do is we we enter those conversations typically with people either that we're leading a place of fear, a place of scarcity, a place of our own insecurity. Right, right. And so those conversations just aren't going to go well. Right. Because 
we're bringing all of our ba- our unhealed baggage to this conversation. Right, right. And so I, I always I always say that like if you if you're working on your own heart, you actually have the ability to have really constructive, loving, truthful conversations with people. Right. You know, it's it's without agenda, without the agenda of my woundedness or my baggage that I'm bringing to it. Sure. Right. Just hearing you talk about if you're in a healthy place and you're you're leaving the baggage behind, yeah, the, then maybe the the seas don't part. But mm-hmm. I mean, definitely clears the way for. I'm not defensive now. I'm mm-hmm. not. Uh, I don't have an agenda. I'm just. I'm here. Well, most of us are, especially with employees, have some type of codependent behavior happening between us, and basically where it's. I need you to like me. I need you to love me because I feel unloved or there's a scarcity of love in my own heart. And so if that, if codependency is sort of in the center of that relationship or that need to be liked or the need to be loved, then that's not going to, I'm not going to say the things that I need to say. I'm going to hold back out of fear of being rejected or fear of being misunderstood I think that's a big one for leaders, by the way. Just we don't say things, we don't communicate things to people because we're afraid that we would be misunderstood or seen as the bad guy. Right. But if you're living from a healthy place, you don't have to be so strong on that image management right, of right. how you are perceived. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I think too, if there's less to lose or the, there, you, you're not worried about. Uh, your image, yeah, that you, you're willing to take a risk mm. maybe a little quicker and take a chance. I, I feel like my, my best conversations are, at the end of the day, there's kinda, I, I say this, tell the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth. And if you can tell the truth, sometimes it stings a little bit, but still the truth is loving. The truth is helpful right. for people that you're leading. And, but if you don't tell the truth... And you hold back because you want to be perceived a certain way or you don't want them to get angry. You want to start managing right. their emotions or their response. That's where it gets really messy. Sure. And I think, too, it's easy to say, oh, I am speaking truth and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still being rejected or whatever. But I think a lot of times it's it's tied to our own baggage. Like mm-hmm. you're saying the truth, but not in love, which is That's you right. know, so key. Yeah. Or you're you're emotionally triggered or emotionally amped about something or you got this stuff you got you're overwhelmed with insecurity. You can tell the truth in insecurity and it's not going to come out the right way. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to think that I had a hard time telling the truth about what was going on or my situation because I I came from a place of, well, everyone already knows they're asking me to do the impossible mm. and they're asking it anyway. And so why bring it up if they already know that they're sticking it to me? Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, the reality is that I nobody knows mm. what what i have to do or what it, it involves mm. for me and so i need to show up with that yeah this is the truth of what you're asking yeah one of the most healthy things that we do like a sign of health is letting people know what our needs are and also what our personal limitations are right you know if there is a hierarchy of answers and responses that we can give to people like at the bottom of the pyramid would be the answer maybe <laughs> at the center of the pyramid, just above that would be the word yes, but at the, the top of the hierarchy would be the word no. Uh-huh. And most of us probably in leadership, especially in the technical arts, 
we rarely get to say the most treasured, valued, yeah. holy word of no. Right, right. But it's the one that usually comes out of our mouth the most often. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> probably the one that's probably most truthful, too. It's the, hard, it's the hardest, most important word we say, but it's the most right. true word that we'll yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was, it was difficult for me to say no because I thought, you already know that this is tough. Mm. And so, yeah, I guess we're doing it anyway. So, yeah, yeah why not? But... My favorite story, I, I had a, have a friend who's a tech director, and my favorite story, and I just like, I still shake my head thinking about how is this even possible, but it was Saturday afternoon, and the senior pastor wanted a boat on the stage yeah. that evening for the Saturday night service. Sure. <laughs> and I'm like, he wanted a, how were you supposed to do that? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I've that's had where a few you say, of those. no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had a similar situation where uh, this is before uh, the internet was really a thing, and uh, it was in uh, Germany, and the pastor said, hey, I'd like to show us part of our baptism service from, you know, back in the States that we did just this last weekend. Like, well, I, I don't, I mean, if it's, you know, if it was on YouTube or something, I could have downloaded or whatever, but that didn't exist. And so, like, okay, we can wake somebody up in the middle of the night and have them, I don't know, what, you know, do something crazy to get it here. And uh, it's totally possible, but like, let me just run it by him first to see how badly do you need this? Um, Which I think is something that, that a lot of us are afraid to ask that, Mm. like, how, how important is this? Yeah. If it's important, we'll do it. Yeah. But if it's just an idea or a whim, yeah, then, oh yeah, don't do that. Mm -hmm. But if we're not willing to step into that and ask the question, Hey, how, on a scale of one to 10, how important is this? And so we ended up not doing it because, oh, don't wake somebody up, which yeah. means you're waking somebody's spouse up probably. And that's, uh, that's, that's healthy leadership right there on both sides of just two leaders coming together and say, okay, what do we really mean here? Yeah. Let's really get more specific about this. We care about each other. We want the best for each other. We want the best for this organization that we're serving. But let's get some specificity on this versus right. just okay, I'll just suck it up and do it. Right, right. <laughs> and I think, too, that that conversation builds trust to say, if you mm. say we need to do it, I'm willing to do it. Yeah. But if I'm telling you it's going to be too difficult, I'm hoping that you're going to say, well, then let's not do it. That, yep. that builds mutual trust. That's right. Yeah. And trust is, uh, to me, the, the lifeblood of relationships, right? Yeah, right. Well, it's working relationships, marriage relationships, friendships. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to cultivate that as much as you can. And honest conversations will help. Right. I think too, as, as a tech person sitting in the booth, you know, there are some times that I've talked to the music director so many times about, tell me what we're doing before we get here Mm. so that I can be prepared and you not coming that way, coming ready. I start losing trust for you. Mm. And I think it's so easy to kind of point the finger and, you know, say you're not trustworthy. Uh, But for me, it was like, can people trust me? I mean, trust me with their great idea, me not just shooting it down, but mm. am I a safe place for them to, to share that idea and feel trust that they yeah. can trust me? Because there is a transfer of value to you as a person. Like for me to trust you with whatever says that I, I there's a value, there's you're a trustworthy person. Right, right, right. You are a competent and skillful person. And so I can put these things, if there is no trust, our trust is broken down. Basically, at some level, it's an indictment on our character and even our identity of who right. we are. Right, right. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, as we've been talking about, without, without that 
trust bond, it's definitely becomes an us versus them mm. kind of a situation when really in our context of producing weekend services, like we can't do it without each other. We yeah. need each other. Yes. And for whatever crazy reason, it takes all of us very different people to pull this off together. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and the more you can cultivate that in your team and your your relationships, friendships, your spouse, everybody wins at that yeah. moment. And I think, too, the, there's probably something to be said for trust being built outside of, in our case, the pressure cooker of rehearsal mm. and to be able to build up a storehouse of, hey, we had a great time here. We had a great working thing over here that mm. have nothing to do with the thing that causes us the most tension. Yeah, You know, I, one of the things that I... It found interesting in terms of building trust within a team is actually not so much even when we succeed, but when we fail. Yeah. Like how we respond to failure, how we re- respond to things not going right. Right. Uh, do we begin to attack each other? Do we begin to blame each other? Do we, or do we, we respond to failure in a healthy way? And that, I mean, certainly success and being, being a trustworthy person and, and knowing that I can rely on you, Todd, to get things done, you know, is, right. is great. But I think there's something to be said about like when it all goes horribly wrong. Right. <laughs> I think we get a better picture of what trust looks like even in that right, moment. Right, right. I'd be curious just your thought on that idea of when things are going wrong and failing. Mm. Like, yeah, how do you manage that? How do you mm. teach someone to stay calm or mm. uh, to respond well, yeah, in crisis. <laughs> stay calm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody stay Maybe calm. that was the answer, yeah. Yeah, well, the, I mean, typically what happens for me, or what I see happen, not only for me, but for others, is failure at some level is a, is a personal attack or indictment on our value. Sure, yeah. And so those are very heightened, significant things that happen. And so... You know, it's like when the mic's not working and everybody turns around to the guy in the sound yeah. booth. Fix it. Fix yeah, it, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, fix it. And we're, we're the ones, you know, going, it's me. It's not, you know, it's... It's, it's not the microphone. It's not the yeah. microphone. Me personally. Everybody goes, this is, this is my value, my identity, my, yeah, yeah. my belonging in this, you know, in the tribe. Like, everybody looks at me and goes... You are wrong. Yeah. You did something wrong. You're a you failure. are a failure. Yeah. And that's, and so as best as we can, like to, to realize that failure, mistakes, screw ups, mess ups, those are all part of like being human. Right. And, and whether you're in the tech arts or, or just living your life, it's part of the story and making sure that we're holding that, those failures in the right way. Right and uh, not allowing it to sort of define who we are. Because what will happen is if we, there's only so many times we'll be willing to stand there and let the mic fail and have everybody look at us and shame us and paint a scarlet letter on us (laughs) before we just stop doing that. Sure, right. And we bail and we're out. And we want, I, I want people to learn from failures, grow from failures, realize that this isn't personal. This is, this is, this is part of, life. And it's part of putting yourself out there. It's the way that you grow and change is by responding to failure. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking to somebody uh, earlier today about there, in my mind, there are two types of failures. There's the lazy kind. Mm, Right. And then there's the constructive kind. So uh, I can choose to learn from my failures or I could just keep repeating them over and over again. Mm. 
for me, I don't mind the I don't mind the first kind of failure mm. because yeah, we this is how we learn and grow and get better. The other kind, I have very little patience for, yeah. even in myself, to say, let's not keep doing the same mistakes over and over again. And at some level, that is a that is a character thing. That that is a personalized thing. Like lazy failure is just like, why are you approaching your life this way? Why right. would you approach anything that way? Yeah. Um, I need you to actually care more about your life. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah right. <laughs> to, to like have this, you know, uh, nonchalant approach, like whatevs. Right. And, and yeah. no, nobody's inspired by the, by lazy failure. Right. But, or even lazy success for that matter. Sure. Right. It's like we like bring your whole passion, bring your whole heart, do your best and then learn from whatever mistakes we make along the way. Yeah, to me, I, I think about in the world of the technical arts, at ch- in church especially, you look at another church that has a lot of money and a lot of resources, and so it's real easy for them to be technically excellent because mm-hmm. they've got all the resources, when the reality is that doing excellent work is about small choices, where you're learning from failure, not repeating the same mm-hmm. mistake, you know, and it doesn't matter how much equipment you have or how yes. big your team is, that that's all happening on a micro level. Yeah. Well, you could have a $5,000 camera in your hand and still be a lousy photographer. Right. Yeah. If if you had sort of this lazy approach to it, it's like the the equipment or the tools or the money doesn't necessarily create a great product. It's, It's really the, the personal passion and commitment and the growth that you're and your creativity that you bring to the table. That's right. That's why I think a lot of us miss, we miss that. Yeah. And we, we do think that the technical pieces are going to make a great experience. And right. they, that's not, that's not the, always the outcome. Right. I think, too, the, the idea of lazy failure, just like making the same mistakes over and over again, is one of the biggest ways to lose trust. Yeah. Oh, and so it's gosh, such yes. a, a fighting against the relationship mm. part of it. Yeah. Well, I amen to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> End of statement. End yeah. of statement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting just even talking about that whole idea of failure and, you know, lazy failure and, mm. and learning from it. Yeah, it's happening all around us. Mm. And hopefully it's not affecting people's experience. But even if it does, the idea is that we're, we're trying to learn from it and mm. encourage each other. And yeah, it's not... I've had several conversations with my team just say, hey, this is not a reflection of you. This is mm-hmm. this happens. Yeah. We don't like it. We need to have a conversation, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. And helping people, again, I think part of leadership is helping people build a strong self-worth, identity, mm-hmm. self-acceptance. Those are, those are fundamental things that if I could influence people on my team, it'd be to pour into them in those things because then the other stuff just starts working. Right, right. I think, too, the, just thinking about the instances in my mind right now about what's been happening the last two days, so much of how a tech person is wired is to be very responsible. Mm-hmm. And so if you've given me the responsibility to get this done and I'm not, yep. it's very hard to separate that from who I am as a person. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah. It's if you see yourself through a certain lens, a certain identity, and then that 
you know, you're, you're given that responsibility and then there's, there's failure around that responsibility. Yeah, it is, it really pings our identity in a, in a very real way. Yeah. And so, you know, I think you have to, in the technical arts, I think this is probably true even beyond the technical yeah. arts. You have to, you have to give yourself a lot of grace, a yeah. lot of compassion. So hard. There's so many things that can go wrong and there's so much responsibility that you do have. Yeah. And that in order to, I think, have a long-term relationship with this type of work, yeah. you have to have a lot of grace for yourself. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, even as we're talking about it, that the, the, the line between lazy failure and constructive failure, mm. I think we're so scared of being perceived as I don't yeah. care yeah. versus I care deeply and things are still going wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we mix up those two, those two things very easily. Yeah, and that's and I, what gets us into trouble. Yeah, and I think honestly, I, I would. I think sometimes there's certain things that we shouldn't care about because I, I think one of the unfortunate positions that a lot of technical people are, you know, their role is that there's a lot of everybody thinks they're an expert on yeah. a particular what you do, what yeah. you do, yeah. and so I, I do remember when I was at the soundboard mixing many, many moons ago. Everybody had an opinion about what something should sound like. Totally, yeah. And that's always, it's from the, from the stage and the audience. Like the guitar player always thought there should be more guitar in the mix. Yeah, totally. You know, the <laughs> senior saints always thought it should be uh, not as loud. And the right. young people wanted it to be louder. And yeah. like everybody has an opinion. Yeah. And so just having the self-comments like, hey, I have this responsibility. I'm going to trust my training who I am, my gifting, and just do what I can do in this moment. Right. And I think even in that moment, it's important to know who do I need to listen to yeah. and do they trust me? Yes. Yeah. Which it, so it all comes back to, hey, if somebody trusts, you know, the senior pastor trusts me to do my job, mm. then all this other noise, he will back me up mm. and I will back him up. That's and, right. Or, yeah. Yeah. Because you, you really want to undercut creative technical arts people. You just don't back you don't back them up or yeah. you agree with the critic in the third row right, or right. and you're just going to shut everything down in terms of that that relationship and the and the possibility of the output the really cool things that could come from that person right if you would have just supported them right and, and and encouraged them and had their back right yeah but yeah if you it's hard to have somebody's back if you're questioning whether they're trustworthy or yes yeah yes or you're letting unskilled people speak into <laughs> right. that, that person's job, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. And I think, too, uh, when I was uh, here on staff at Willow Creek, uh, one of my jobs was to respond to people who had complaints about the sound. Oh, wow. And you so, guys actually responded to that? Uh, I did, actually, yeah. yeah. So we had, you know, we there was years there we had a policy written out, mm -hmm. and it, we, we just get a complaint, send out the letter. Okay, here's yeah. what we Here's what we believe about audio. And... <laughs> The reality is that we could measure, and we would measure sound all day long and record it, and we so we know exactly how loud it was last yeah. week and for whatever. And but the reality is that people don't care. People didn't care about that letter. Uh -huh. They just felt they wanted somebody to listen to yeah. them. And so I would usually call them or send them an email. I'd love to meet with you for coffee or whatever, or talk on the phone, and just to listen to them, and then respond, and. You know, I wouldn't generally say, well, this is how loud we're going to run it, so yeah. deal with it. 
I mean, that was sort of the, <laughs> that, that is how it usually ended, not with me saying that, but I would, where do you sit and, you know, how can we solve this problem? Yeah. And maybe I can explain something to you. And maybe we end with saying it's not going to get quieter, but you feel better because you yeah. have, you know, felt like somebody listened to you. Wow, you are, that is incredible. I'm I, so impressed with yeah. that, that I, I feel like that's, that's, that's very kind and compassionate to be concerned about something. Honestly, a lot of us in the room would go, you know, why does that matter? Like yeah. it really like in the big scheme of all the things that might be happening in a weekend's yeah. service, <laughs> like why? And I do, here's the other thing, the dirty little secret about life. <laughs> Just people love to complain. Yeah, they do. We feel good when we do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's so easy also from the outside looking in and say, oh, I could, you know, I could do this better or just turn it down. Right. You know, it's so is, simple. Just yeah. that big red fader, right. turn it down. Yeah. I guess the, the reason I bring that story up of responding to all those things is that they, I had a relate, trust relationship with the pastor. Yeah. And so we were able to kind of say, he said, I, I would love for you to respond to these people. And mm. I trust that you're going to give them the right yeah. answer. And I also trust that what we're doing volume wise is good and right. Yeah. And I'm backing you up. Yes. Um, that's good. So yeah. So for me to respond to all those things, he knew, okay, he can be trusted to, you know, I, we could have turned it up, but then I've just, I would have been busy all week responding to all those. Well, yeah. I mean, it says a lot on, on the part of the trust relationship that you had with the senior leader, but also it says a lot about your emotional intelligence to be able to sit in that conversation and talk, you know, be concerned yeah. about something that wasn't going to change, but right. it mattered to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, too, uh, just thinking about that, uh, that example, you know, the lineup of people outside the sound booths complaining is never going to go away. I mean, no. there, there will always be people there. No. And so if you're the person behind the soundboard, you have to figure out how to deal with yeah. the fact that all these people are being negative about something that's so personal mm. to you. Again, that's why I'm just going to, like, develop yourself, develop your heart, get some thick skin, like get, yeah. it's just, it's required if you're ever going to be in a position of, you know, creativity or leadership or putting something out towards the public. Yeah. There's always going to be a line at the booth telling well, you what you did wrong. Yeah. And I think the, maybe, uh, this is maybe an overstatement, but it feels to me like as somebody in the booth that the people on stage are maybe a little more used to the critique because they're mm. putting it out there for mm. everybody. Whereas we're kind of in a corner and, you know, maybe if, if I don't move really fast, nobody will notice me back mm. here. And so the, that idea of attaching your self-worth to what you do, or even the acknowledgement that what I do is part of who I am, mm. you know, it is an expression of mine. Yes. And yeah, but to develop a thick skin to say, yeah, not everybody's going to like it. Uh, and that's okay. Yeah. And I think that's a truism of life in general. Right, like, right. There's always gonna, there's always somebody who doesn't like you, who doesn't agree with you. Right. And and to still sleep well at night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you can crack that code, you're doing well. Yeah. And it's funny for me, I'm a nine on the Enneagram. Uh, and so people yeah. getting along is like, it's important. I, yeah. Mr. Peacemaker over <laughs> there. Right. Please get that. along. Why can't we all get yes. along? Yeah. <laughs> no conflict, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's like a whole other podcast conversation. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has any questions. 
Um, so you guys have talked a lot about failure, and I have people that are close to me that are on my team that are really sensitive in that area, where it can be to you and I as simple as, hey, I need you to do this thing differently. And, you know, audio, I just, it really was too loud today. Let's turn it down a little. But it's very fragile, and I feel like I can't, you said speak truth, with some of these people, I just feel like I can't even do that without it becoming a whole thing. So if you guys could speak to that. Maybe. I think, the, I mean, to start with, it's such a cultural thing to have honest feedback. And so if it's not a part of your, how your church functions, I think it's really hard to have that first conversation. And I would say to me, to have values and understand what we're about and what matters and what is serving as an audio engineer, what does that mean? So that when, it, when there, it's time for some feedback, that everybody is ready for it because they know, hey, I'm here to serve. This is what we're shooting for and we're not hitting it. And so we can have the honest conversation because we've front loaded it in a way that we're all kind of ready for it. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I, you know, I think with any conversation where the stakes are high or there's you know, authentic conversations happening or, or specific feedback, creating a, a safe place for those conversations is really critical. And I think one of the most important things we can do as leaders is create a culture or relationship with the people that we're leading where they actually feel safe. Yeah. Where and that doesn't happen necessarily just in that conversation. It is about multiple investments over time to know where I'm not your enemy. I'm your, this. This isn't uh, coming from a aggressive place. This isn't. I want the best for you. But that doesn't necessarily just happen in that conversation. It's yeah. about kind of an ongoing narrative of this is a safe place to fail. And I think one of the things that we can do as leaders is talk about our own failures. Like what I didn't, let me, before I talk to you about what you didn't do well on <laughs> Sunday, let me talk to you about what I didn't do well on Sunday. Yeah. Let me share about some of the things that I failed at or made a mistake at. And so it's more of a collective conversation around, you know, things that need to change right. versus kind of that personalized. And again, people are afraid. They're scared scared of losing their jobs, scared of losing their position, scared of being, you know, kicked out of the friend group, whatever it might be. Right, right. And so we really need to be super cognizant of that. And I think as a leader, you go first. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about your own mistakes that Yeah, that I get. think too in in the world of production, you generally only get spoken to uh, or fee get feedback when things are going bad. Ah, uh, yeah. And so you're so much so many of us and so much of our teams they're only getting feedback when it's, when it's going bad. And so to create a culture where we're talking about the good things so that it's not, you know, the one comment they get is this, you didn't do it right. Yeah. That it's a mixture of, yeah, that it's, there's a culture of just, that sounded great. We could work on this. Yes. This was amazing. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a more holistic approach to the environments that you're, you're creating where people feel like, okay, this is a safe place. We can talk about both the good and the bad. Yeah. It's not just I'm getting punished. You know, here comes yeah. dad. I'm going to get, get the belts every time I see dad because that's the only thing where <laughs> dad will ever engage with me. Yeah. It's like, no, I just, I'm, I, per, lots of praise, lots of encouragement, lots of boosting up our people's confidence right. in what they're doing and then bringing 
truthful critique of things that need to change yeah. when needed. There was a, a, a time when I was here that after the first service, we would gather up to talk about all the things that we needed to fix mm. uh, and do differently and change. And, you know, some of that stuff's not easy. But then we would then go around and say, everybody needs to say something about someone else. Uh-huh. Um, and so when we first started it, uh, something positive. Yes. I noticed when you did this and it was very cool. Yeah. And, and it uh, honestly, it took a long time to not feel awkward. But after a while, it just became part of our conversation that yep. now when things are going on, I'm looking for, oh, I, I need to say something tonight mm-hmm. after the service about something somebody did great. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm, now I'm looking for it. Yes. Um, instead of just looking for the critique and the thing that needs to change. Yeah. I love that. I mean, just finding the good in people, finding the good and speaking that out, publicly praising people. That's part of leadership. That's part of if you want to have a healthy team, that has to be a big part of it. Yeah. Yep. That answer your question? question? Yeah, that was a good one. That Chick-fil-A looks good too, by the way. Yeah. Here's a question. We're getting ready to head to the developing volunteers. Yeah. So with your guys' experience, I was just wondering if you could share some of your tips and tricks for identifying possible people and what worked well to get people on the team. Okay. Yeah, I, w- I mean, it's so interesting. I think what works for getting people on the team, usually for me, if I look at the history of my life as a technical artist and building teams, so many of the people that really uh, were superstars were people that w- just wouldn't go away. Mm. And so they were, they were willing. Mm-hmm. And so they were available. They would show up all yep. the time. And, just, and so in my life, a lot of times those were high school kids. And so... Uh, they can get kind of annoying at times. Uh, you know, like we got work to do and you guys are goofing off. But to be able to invest in them and entrust things to them, you know, small sized things they can handle and win at. And then over time, their capacity is growing and getting, getting bigger over time. In fact, the person who's doing lights for the conference is 17. Wow. Just a high school volunteer. And Part of that is just developing and teaching, and mm. he's here, so let's pour into him. That's awesome. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love so that. Cool. You know, I think for me, passion. Passion is such a big one for me, and really, that that speaks a little bit to the lazy failure. It's like mm-hmm. I need people to care. Yeah, I, I can teach them the skill. I can teach them the competency, or at the light board or at soundboard. But the, the I can't. I can't make them really care about what we're doing and to buy into the vision and show up early and stay late. I mean, this is such, I mean, at at the end of the day, like this position especially is kind of a thankless job. Yeah. And so for somebody to care and to be passionate about it and to, to show up with their whole heart, all the rest of the stuff to me can be added later. Trained and and developed. Yeah. But I want somebody with some energy. The other thing that I always have to think about with uh, volunteers is to know that not everybody's wired like me. Right. And I, <laughs> I sometimes want people that, that I get along with or that I, you know, I see qualities that I could be friends with that person. Right, right. We, sometimes we have to, we have to be kind of lay that at the side of the table and go, this person may be unique and gifted and you know, relationally and their personality might be different than mine, but, but if they bring that passion and they, they really care, then, then that is, that's the thing that, that overcomes 
Yeah, overcomes almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> anything. Yeah. I think, too, for me, I noticed that uh, similar to the question that you asked, the idea of, you know, how do you have that hard conversation with someone? To me, it's so important to what are we about? Mm. And is, is it, not, it can't just be in my head. I have an, yeah. I'm imagining what we should be like, and nobody's meeting that standard. But instead saying, this is who we are. This is what we do. And I think it solves a little bit of that problem to say, hey, we talked about this is who we are and we're not measuring up. Or uh, for people who are coming in new, they, they can sense that something's happening here. They're about something. Mm. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I want to be a part of that. Yep. And, and that stuff doesn't happen by just imagining. You have to write it down and figure it out and what, what really matters to us. And I think it's a step a lot of times that I notice that technical arts teams miss yeah. Uh, to say, what are our values? What is the most important thing? And then we can lead everybody to that standard. Yeah, it's that whole thing, like, without vision, the people will perish. And, yeah. and I think there's sometimes an assumption from leaders in the technical arts area where it's like, well, isn't it obvious what we're doing? Isn't it obvious <laughs> what what's supposed to happen? And sometimes, no, it's like you got to clearly state it. Because I think sometimes what, uh, yeah, this is what we do feels like perfection to somebody Mm -hmm. kind of looking in from the outside when it's not that. There's, yeah, there's something, a foundation there that it's not about perfection. We just, we want to be distraction free. But I mean, that's a perfect example of something that people would assume that's not true. Yeah. Or they seem like, hey, we just turn on the lights and and turn on the we make the worship player have reverb on his vocal yeah. and we put graphics on the screens. And it's like, well, what you're doing is way more. You're, the vision, hopefully, is way more than just that. And so right. having people buy in the vision is, is incredibly important and yeah. being very yeah. clear on it. Yeah. Thanks for your time. This Man, has been thank great. You. I, yeah, I, thanks for coming. And This has been a great day. I, I was telling you right after the first session, like I was just blown away. I had no idea the level of creativity and heart and like goodness that was happening here. This is my first time here, obviously. And I was just like, great job. And and thank you for letting me be a part of it. Yeah. So glad it worked out. And yeah, thanks for just sitting down for a few extra minutes of conversation. My pleasure. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks for joining us. Some good stuff in there. Mike was so great to work with, and he was so gracious and such great content. Yeah, I can't thank him enough. We uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to do something with him in the near future. All right, so don't forget, you can sign up for next year's conference, file 2020, at the lowest possible rate, $99, May 31st, midnight central time. That's when the deadline is. Also, you can stay connected to us by subscribing to this podcast. That way you can catch all the new and exciting things we'll be announcing over the next few months. Also, you can follow us on social media to stay up to date. At Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram. And at Philo Conference on Twitter. We'd love all your comments, questions, suggestions. Give us a shout out. Email us at philopodcast at fusion.productions. Thanks for joining us. If you're at Philo 2019, thanks for joining us there. What a great time. Anyway, we'll see you soon. Bye.